Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Fuel Better podcast. I am your host as always Evan Lynch and in today's podcast episode I'm going to give you the lowdown on how to prepare for an Ironman or a 70.3. So this episode timing is not a coincidence. Obviously I want these episodes to uh, be evergreen but I'm releasing this episode right now as Ironman and 70.3 y'all are just around the corner they're happening next week and I had a lot of requests get a lot of dms a lot of questions Evan how should I approach race day do I need to carb load what should I have in the morning all of these questions so I wanted to make this podcast quick and easy just give you the no bs outlook on exactly what it is you need to do to make sure that when you tow the line in y'all or any other Ironman or ultra endurance event that you're doing because the principles are the same it's it's the same thing whatever your exercise modality for the most part I want to show you exactly how you can be prepared in advance so let's get into the episode So very briefly before we get into this episode as always i do have a couple of announcements that i would like to run by you guys before we get into it so okay so the first announcement is my new sweat testing service that i've had a number of people come to the clinic and use and yes it is only available in clonmel because it's a hands-on test it requires me to poke you a little bit to get a sample of your sweat we have to make you sweat in the first place I don't want to be getting samples of sweat through the post that'd be pretty strange uh, and unhygienic so the reason I put this sweat testing service out there is I see sweat rate variability in athletes in my own experience from 0.4 liters per hour all the way up to three plus liters per hour and it's insane the variability is insane Equally as insane is the sodium composition of someone's sweat. So people lose varying amounts of salt. And again, depending on a number of things, genetics, the environment and your adaptability to said environment, you're going to lose varying amounts of salt. So what we know about hydration and how it interplays with performance, we need to know what an athlete's fluid losses are. If they're going to be really big, we need to engage in pre-cooling tactics, push intra-workout or intra-exercise hydration tactics as far as we can. And we need to know, roughly speaking, what we would look for that athlete to replace post-exercise. So the sweat rate is important there. Equally important for endurance athletes 
is the sodium content of the sweat. So it's important that we get enough sodium during exercise as hyponatremia can be pretty dangerous. It's considered a risk factor for ultra endurance exercise. It doesn't specifically have an effect on performance or finish time, but if you're prone to cramping, if you're prone to some carbohydrate absorption issues, some gut issues, um, or generally if you're a salty sweater, you might be at risk of hyponatremia. It is quite important that you know what your sodium replacement requirements are. People tend to be very generic with this. And I suppose putting my clinical hat on here, being generic with something like salt requirements means you could just end up eating too much salt, which is not good for you from a blood pressure perspective. So the sweat testing service anyway, takes all of the guesswork out of this. To my knowledge, it's the only service available in the country at the moment that will give you both sodium sweat composition and sweat testing in less than one hour. So if that interests you, please DM me, info at evanagefitnut.com. Second announcement, I am currently fully booked. So myself and Gary are at capacity at the moment. There will be a link in the show notes here to join our waiting list, which is something you can do. And as soon as there is a spot opened up on the coaching program, you'll be contacted and offered it if you are at the top of the waiting list. So I'm very grateful that that's a position I'm currently in that I have a waiting list or that that level of interest is there. So it's very exciting times. So if that is something that you are thinking, you know, God, I would like to come on board in January or I have a race coming up in March 2023 or next summer, it would be a good idea to stick yourself on that waiting list to avoid disappointment. This is also partially because I'm starting the PhD program in September and my client capacity is only going to get smaller and smaller. So that waiting list is only going to get bigger and bigger. Anyhow, if that interests you, the link will also be in the show notes for that. Third and final announcement, I figured out how to use MailChimp. So I now actually have a newsletter. It's not a weekly thing. It's just when an interesting question pops up in clinic. And what I will also be putting on the newsletter are podcast show notes. So I'm going to stick a link there. And these show notes, again, they're going to be some big ass show notes. And there's going to be a link in my bio on social media and on my website for you to join the newsletter and get all this info shot straight to your inbox. Okay, that's all the announcements. That's not why you guys are here. Let's get into the episode. So what I want to cover in this podcast episode is how can we help an athlete carbohydrate load effectively? I'm going to talk about why that's important, why we need to do that and why, you know, someone doing an Ironman or a half Ironman would find benefit from carb loading versus, I don't know, someone going playing five-a-side soccer with their friends. We're also going to look at some of the numbers behind this and some of the factors that go into how beneficial or not carb loading can be. I'm going to talk about some of the insane energetics of an Ironman. It's it's pretty insane, the, the calorie cost, if you will, of doing an Ironman. 
We're also going to talk about what you should look to do on race morning. And I'll talk a little bit about intra-race nutrition tactics. If you're listening to this, trying to get ready for y'all, you've probably left it a little bit late, but hopefully you will get some value from this episode. So to kick things off and I suppose address, address this concept first, why would an athlete want to carbohydrate load? Why would someone need to do that in the first place? So the whole purpose of carbohydrate loading, just to kick us off, is to increase the amount of glycogen that you have in your muscles and your liver. So to rewind for a second there, glycogen is basically how your body stores carbohydrates and it's mostly stored in muscles and liver you get a little bit in some cardiac cells kidney cells and in your brain but it's mostly in your muscles and in your liver there's big variability as well uh, in terms of how much glycogen is in somebody's body so your liver will have on average around 80 grams of glycogen in it and that is used to keep your blood sugar steady so you have approximately four grams of glucose knocking around your bloodstream or you should if it's higher and consistently higher that's called diabetes and we know that there is some liver involvement in diabetes some liver fat as outlined by the twin cycle hypothesis which is very interesting completely unrelated to this anyways that's your liver in your muscles then there's an average of probably talking around 500 grams on average of muscle glycogen so that depends on how physically big you are, how well trained you are, um, what kind of muscle fibers you have. And even something like if you're using creatine, that can enhance your capacity to store carbohydrates. So there is variability there. The normal range for glycogen stores is about three to 700 grams. And I suppose just to dive off topic here for another second, when we look at glycogen levels for every gram of glycogen you have which is you're talking somewhere between four and eight hundred grams if we factor in muscle and liver and the variability it can be that much every gram of that has about three grams of water attached to it so one thing that often comes up again and again and again in diet culture and sometimes athletes looking to lose weight for race day which is a whole different a whole different can of worms in of itself but the argument that the low carbohydrate diet is beneficial for weight loss is usually based on the observation that when you avoid carbohydrates your body's glycogen stores run out and that's that's not weight loss that's like arguing if i cut my hand off i lose weight glycogen really should be there in the first place it's not something you should look to lose particularly if you're an athlete so if we're talking about glycogen and it's probably something i'm going to say an awful lot during this episode really what you need to know about glycogen is it's kind of like your currency for exercise so imagine imagine you're trying to get a mortgage and you obviously need a lot of money to do that you need to have a bit of money in the bank to pay for said mortgage and you agree to monthly repayments sports nutrition for something like an iron man 
or even a half Ironman is not too dissimilar to that. Ideally, you start off with the normal resting glycogen level of an endurance athlete or a trained athlete, which is 150 millimoles per kilogram of wet muscle mass. Ideally, you've done some carb loading and you jump that number up to 200 millimoles. So you can get a you can get a fairly significant increase in your circulating glycogen if you do carbohydrate loading, which is why we look to do that. So the basic premise of carbohydrate loading is this. If you acutely increase your carbohydrate intake before exercise to a big degree, so we're talking high carb intakes here, and some of my clients it's been a kilo a day at times. If you do that, you increase your body's glycogen store, you have more money in the bank to pay for the exercise than you are about to do. And then your your intra-race or intra-workout nutrition tactics is kind of like your monthly repayments. So the whole the whole goal here is that we don't want you running out of glycogen in the first place because what we know about exercise and glycogen metabolism, the lower your glycogen levels get, the harder exercise will feel. And I've, I've said this on the podcast a bunch, or if you follow me on social media, you've heard me say this a lot. Lower levels of glycogen means exercise feels harder. So they've done some research on this and they've looked at you know, rates of perceived exertion in athletes who are carb-fed or carb-fasted and even self-selected pace, so they let the athlete move as quick as they wish. The high-carb athletes, on average, it's something like there's a 15% difference in rate of perceived exertion. That's very, very big if we factor in, you know, ultra-endurance events. There's a heavy psychological parameter there. Something like central drive is in is influencing, I should say, it's influencing how hard you can push yourself. If you're absolutely dying or you're you're finding the, the work tough to do, it's gonna have a negative impact on your performance. So let, let alone that, but what we also know is, you know, within two hours of exercise, your glycogen can half. So at, at rest, at that 150 millimoles of glycogen per kg of muscle mass or wet muscle mass, I should say, that's considered to be enough to last for around 100 minutes of fairly vigorous work, such as iron manning. So you literally are just buying yourself more time and you know, I haven't got to the crux of this yet, but rate of perceived exertion increases and when we mostly run out of glycogen, we hit the wall. So I, I don't know an endurance athlete who hasn't experienced it. It's usually that experience that kind of stimulates people to come and talk to someone like me but the feeling of hitting the wall is most likely you're running out of glycogen exercise bankruptcy would be a good way to kind of comprehend that other interesting fact as your glycogen level decrease if they get to around 70 millimoles so about half of what they would normally be at rest if you're well fed that can start to affect how you um, govern something like muscle contraction and relaxing and relaxation even I haven't had too much coffee yet so I feel like I'm forgetting how to speak English but bear with me so interestingly enough if you're getting a lot of muscle cramps calf cramps spasms bits and pieces like that 
that might actually be down to your fueling tactics. It's very rarely considered to be something like an electrolyte disturbance, assuming you're taking on isotonic drinks. So isotonic means it has a similar concentration of sodium and other elements to your blood. It's, it's not considered to be an electrolyte thing. Think of it like this. If it was dehydration causing your muscle cramps, it would be systemic as opposed to just your left calf or your right foot. You'd feel it all over your body. You cannot be dehydrated in one part of your body. That's that's not how that works. Um, but that's that again, I'm gone off topic here. That is not the point of today's conversation. In in summation, just to if you're not if you're not convinced yet that carb loading is probably important, um, just to reiterate, it will enable you to work harder for longer it's been shown to improve times finish times and performance in events over 90 minutes so i don't know any 70.3 or 140.6 candidates who are crossing the line in 90 minutes or less so it's very relevant we know as well that higher carbohydrate intakes even during exercise particularly in an ironman are associated with quicker finish times so there's almost there, there's this linear response that they drew. They researched the Kona World Championships in 2009. And generally speaking, athletes who had higher carb intakes during the race, much fin- much quicker finish times. And I think I've done a previous podcast episode on, on that, looking at, I suppose, the science of carbohydrates and how it affects performance. So you should go and give that a listen if you're not already convinced that carbs are an important part to this. One, one point of note, one point of nuance, and it's often a point of resistance in the endurance or ultra-endurance community technically, and that is, well, you know, I'm not working at full tilt here. Would I not be better off to be fat adapted? And the answer to that is no, you actually wouldn't. They've done research on this. So some people will go full fat adaption and fair play to them. Uh, I don't know too many people who would like to not eat spuds and bread and gels and sweets and things like that but some people do and that's their prerogative generally speaking fat oxidation is it's something like 15 to 20 percent less efficient than the act of breaking down glucose so they study this in elite athletes who are already excellent at burning fat and that that's an important point here if you're highly trained or if, you, if, if you've trained for an Ironman and you've stuck to your low intensity work, you already likely have a lot of mitochondria. You already likely have a good respiratory quotient or RER or capacity to use fat at various intensities. Why we don't want to do that totally is it's going to result in slower finish times. So the interesting piece of the research done on race walkers was those who were on, I suppose, low-fat approaches had higher VO2 maxes, but they were significantly slower, very significantly slower than their counterparts. So assuming finish time is something that you care about, carbohydrates are your, I suppose, um, delivery vehicle of choice to get you there, let alone the fact that higher-fat approaches are associated with some metabolic abnormalities i personally have seen two people develop type 2 diabetes from i suppose inappropriately doing high fat diets 
And if you're one of those people who might subscribe to the idea where you, you apply similar, what would I say? Similar thought frames, you know, as did you training, train high, race low to how you use fats. So if, you know, if you get very good at using fat during exercise, well, won't you then be brilliant at using carbohydrates? And that's actually shown to be not true and in fact the opposite of what you might think. So just to explain, if you go on a very low carbohydrate diet, you'll get this major increase in circulating free fatty acids. What that can do is it can actually cause insulin resistance and it can impair your capacity to oxidize carbohydrates. So it, it changes that whole. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cell signaling cascade there in those metabolic pathways. And what was shown, they, they did this again interestingly with elite athletes, put them on low carbohydrate diets for a couple of days and they, they studied them. Within a week, their ability to use carbohydrates is impaired. So I can tell you if you're planning on the you know train low race high method, that's not going to work for you. Probably as well, if you've if you're a follower, if you listen to the podcast, or this isn't your first rodeo, you'll know that the train low race high method breaches one of the key cardinal sins of sports nutrition, and that is not practicing what you're gonna do on race day. So if I just pair it back again for a minute, intra-race carb intakes for Ironman and half Ironman athletes are now ideally considered to be 90 to 120 grams per hour for good reason. It's been shown that the higher the carb intake, the quicker the athlete goes. And there, there almost seems to be no end to that. There's been some athletes studied with intakes of 130 to 140 and slightly higher, I think, grams of carbohydrates per hour, which if you're not aware, that would be the carbohydrate requirement of a sedentary person for the whole day. So the, the cost of exercise should not be underestimated. And also when we look at the carb intakes during exercise, what we find is the higher you can go per hour, the less muscle damage you accrue, the quicker you recover, and the easier the exercise feels. So in all ultra endurance athletes, it's only been shown to be a highly 
positive beneficial thing with the key key thing here is that you are adapted to that work so if you're operating on a train low raise high method by default you cannot practice taking 100 plus grams of carbohydrates per hour because then you're not training low the risk here is if you try anything over really if you try over 60 75 grams of carbohydrates per hour and you're not accustomed to it you're going to vomit all over your handlebars and that's not great and that's definitely counterproductive to performance so and again just just to clarify i get a lot of people you know accusing me of being on one side of the fence you know i'm not anti totally anti-fasted work or you know periods of low carbohydrate availability there are times when that's beneficial but if you're you know if you have an ironman around the corner now is definitely not the time think base training that's when you would look to do something like that anyways back on topic if you're not convinced at this stage that carbohydrate loading is important you'll never be convinced and just just a fun fact before i forget it i mentioned that exercise is costly one i suppose um point of resistance that i meet with athletes and i'm trying to convince them to go for 100 grams of carbohydrates per hour or when i'm trying to convince them to carb load they'll say well will i not gain weight or will i not gain fat and with carb loading you will gain weight probably somewhere between one to maybe one and a half two kilos depending on what your glycogen status was and that's okay that's fine but the energy demands of an Ironman are on average over 9,000 calories for the race itself, let alone the other, you know, roughly 2,000 calories that you, you need anyway to just, you know, uh, breathe and live and make things like white blood cells and hair and like digest food and stuff. So very costly work. 9,000 calories, or to be specific, the 9,040 calories on average that Kona athletes used in 2009, that's the equivalent to about 2,258 grams of carbohydrates. That'd be an equal amount of calories. And if you're not sure what that means in terms of food, 2,258 grams of carbohydrates would be approximately, it would be something like 91 gels. So 90 to 91 carbohydrate gels would would get you those calories so it's unfathomably huge okay so don't worry about that element of things all right now what you actually came for carbohydrate loading what how much and how or when i guess so the carbohydrate loading tactics that i favor you're looking at around 36 hours out so practically speaking the whole day before the event maybe the the night let's say if, if you're racing saturday morning all day friday is a carb load and maybe a high carb meal thursday night but practically speaking the day before the morning of that's when you're doing the work carbohydrate loading tactics you're looking at getting 8 to 12 grams per kilogram of body weight of carbohydrates in the door and that again that's a huge huge number so i'm floating around 85 to 90 kilos at the moment depending on a lot of things so for me i'm looking at a 
somewhere between you know eight and nine hundred grams of carbs would be the target i would aim for i'd go higher if possible 12 grams of carbohydrates would be the higher end if you're doing your full ironman so if you're 85 kilos there you know you're you're getting over a thousand grams of carbohydrates to be ready on the day to give yourself the best chance of a performance so if you're someone who suffers from stomach issues or you you know that's that's a concern you have in general you probably be better off going with lower residue foods so the carb loading tactics ahead of your key event would not be kind of hashtag healthy eating guidelines and to be very specific it's only in this situation would i recommend that or only pre-exercise and it's for the purpose of not having you doubled over in pain or having diarrhea on the side of a road or gut cramps we can avoid those so we go for lower residue dietary approaches before our ironmans for carb loading purposes and what does that mean what's low residue basically it it's more or less the same thing as low fiber but low residue basically means you make less poo so think residue and poo forming so less things that make poo in your guts so if there's less poo in your guts there's uh, less of a chance of a problem basically that's that's kind of the the extent of it and that's that's what we mean i talk about poo a lot in my day-to-day job so this is not this is not weird for me um so basically the the gist of it is white pastas white breads rice based cereals cheerios bagels jam fruits a couple of sports drinks if you need to some gels keep it as healthy as you can you know try to stick to your your grains your pastas your cereals your rices your breads i'm not i'm not advocating just having 12 liters of sports strings the day before your event just to meet your requirements that probably wouldn't be a great idea you might feel a bit sick doing that but try and keep it as healthy as possible it just wouldn't be a day to be loading up on your vegetables and your mixed nuts and your bran flakes you know if you have an iron stomach by all means ignore this information and just do whatever you want just just make sure you hit your carbohydrate targets but i, I would advise lower fiber lower fiber options and 8 to 12 grams of carbohydrates per kg of body weight 8 to 10 if you're a half 10 to 12 if you're a full and keep it as simple as that there's no perfect way to carb load some people find anecdotally things like pancakes and basmati rice and rice krispies or cocoa pops are very easy to eat lots of so if you're struggling with your appetite which is fair enough if you're trying to eat a thousand grams of carbohydrates that's a pro tip so that's that's the day before and i suppose it's important as well hydration guidelines are not different the day before your event so your hydration guidelines are around 35 ml per kilogram of body weight if you're doing some exercise you're looking at that plus maybe some some additional for exercise costs as i said at the start of the episode they vary a lot so maybe do a sweat test yourself weigh yourself before and after a workout see what the loss is that's roughly your sweat rate or if you're lucky enough to live near clonmel in south tipperary where i am you can just give me a shout and we can do that with you so fluid requirements for anyone under the age of 65 are 35 mils per kilogram of body weight 
So just arbitrarily, if you happen to weigh 100 kilos, you're three and a half liters a day candidate plus exercise requirements. If you're over the age of 65, just to delineate, those fluid requirements drop to 30 ml per kilo. So if you're a 65 plus man who weighs, you know, 100 kilos, three liters a day are your requirements, roughly speaking, plus exercise costs. So that's the day before. And just again, I couldn't stress this enough. I hear a lot of a lot of um, team sport players would have done things like this, and I would have known athletes back. I don't want to say back in the day because I'm only 27, but back in the day when I was competing, I used to know people who would tank a liter to a liter and a half of water before bed the night before an event, thinking that that was an excellent thing to do. Don't do that, let alone for the fact that it'll give you great degrees of stomach discomfort to consume a volume of fluid like that very quickly but it'll also cause you to urinate extensively because what you've basically just done is had this transient electrolyte dilution, which your body really does not like. So don't do that either. Okay, so moving on to the morning of the event. Ironmans tend to start at horrible times of the day. So generally speaking, the carbohydrate requirements depend on how early you get up or the guidelines depend on that. Normally, I would advise just for the sake of having an okay sleep and minimizing gut risk, three hours would be a good time to go for breakfast and having a snack about 60 to 90 minutes out. And then we look at fluid requirements thereafter, so isotonics. So if you're having a meal two and a half to three hours out from your event, you're looking for about two and a half to three grams of carbohydrates per kg of body weight. So the rule of thumb is however many hours, whether it be one, two, three, three and a half, you multiply your weight by that number and that's the carb target at that meal. So for again, let's let's say I'm 85 kilos and I have my breakfast two hours out from my meal because I'm confident that that works for me and I practice it in training. I'm looking at having about 170 grams of carbohydrates for breakfast off the top of my head. That would be something like a reasonably sized bagel with a lot of jam on both slices, which gives you somewhere in the region of about 100, maybe 110 grams, and something then like a bowl of Rice Krispies and a small glass of juice. That would probably be enough for, for me at that point. Though you have to see what works for you. You can use something like MyFitnessPal to track your carb intake at a meal. Definitely practice it on whatever training sessions you have left before your Ironman, or ideally get help so that race day nutrition is not stressful for you. So we keep those meals low fiber and low fat. If you're not familiar with the reasons why, please go back and listen to previous episodes. Low fiber and low fat is to minimize your risk of having a gut issue or toilet emergency during your race or exercise session. So about 60 to 90 minutes out, as I said, you would have a smaller carbohydrate snack, something like a banana or some dried fruit. Some people have a poor appetite or are anxious at this point. So we go for things like energy gels. Very, very simple. Just to help normalize blood sugar levels and stabilize them. For the hour and a half pre-warm-up or pre-race, what can be helpful is consuming 5 mils per kilogram of body weight of a sports drink and taking that length of time to drink it. So 
rapid fluid delivery or having big boluses infrequently is not a good carb or it's not a good hydration tactic even so that that rate there five mils per kilo over a 90 minute period before you go is a good bet to land you on the start line in a euhydrated status so a lot of times athletes tell me i frequently need to urinate and long sessions or in races that could be chalked down to poor hydration tactics or infrequent and large boluses of fluids or simply just having too much or not enough sodium in their in their fluids uh, so it, it affects how you hold on to said fluids basically to briefly touch on it here because it's a whole different episode onto itself but caffeine is something you could look to use and basically three milligrams per kg of body weight at about 45 minutes pre-exercise would be what we would call the ergogenic dose i wouldn't recommend anyone just mess around with that there are ways you can get caffeine into your body um you can get it in two doses so maybe a double espresso and a caffeine gel in the 90 minute period pre-exercise and then maybe if you're accustomed to it take an strong caffeine hit halfway through your race if you're doing a full ironman or not at all if you're doing your half ironman and i say that because caffeine energetics or metabolomics even i think rather are really interesting depending on the mode of consumption caffeine can take up to 45 minutes to absorb and peak in your blood system and it can stay peaked for about six hours so if you time it pre half man, that caffeine will be knocking around your system hopefully when you hit the finish line if you're if you're doing the uh full about halfway through your bike or in the latter stages of your bike that's where you're looking to get another ergogenic hit of caffeine in there are ways and means of doing that there are strong gels chews powders tablets etc but the the pros and cons of caffeine it can really really help with concentration and fatigue and it can help tiny bit with carbohydrate oxidation which is great but it also comes at the risk of palpitations and gut issues um, if you're not accustomed to it so it's not something you try on race day at all that's one you should practice a lot prior to your race day to know that it works for you then there are there are kind of other bits and pieces you can throw in depending on you know how far out from your race you are you can try beetroot juice strategies which are widely available online normally what i tend to advise would be two a day for two or three days prior to your race and then one or two shots in the two hour period before your race depending on your vo2 max so you need more beetroot juice or more nitrates to have a desirable ergogenic or sports enhancing effect the more trained you are the same tends to be true for most things the more well trained you are the less margin there is for supplements to enhance your performance to any real appreciable degree because you're already more or less physiologically optimized anyways this is the end of the episode so i just wanted to give you the tools you could use and explain why those tools are important and to reiterate carbohydrates are king avoid training low and racing high carb loading strategies low fiber and 8 to 12 grams per kg the day before maybe the night before the day before if uh, you want to be very pedantic 
morning of, you're multiplying your weight by the hours pre, and that's your carb target at breakfast. Snack 60 to 90 minutes pre. You can look at caffeine, you can look at that sports drink delivery. That's really, that's really your playbook. That's as much information as I can give in a general format. If you would like some specifics on this, or if you would like to go through it with me, bear in mind that endurance nutrition is my speciality. And most of my clients are Ironman athletes or triathletes or cyclists. Please get in touch. As I said, you can join the waiting list if you would like, or you can join the newsletter where you can get this information. If you want tailored fuel and fluid strategies, book in for that sweat test. Or I do also have a consultation clinic open all year round. You can book in online or virtually. And as I said, that's all year round. Just pick a time that suits you and we can chat. Anyways, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and at least found it helpful or informative. And if you do have an Ironman coming up soon, the very best of luck. One last thing, guys, I am currently trying to grow this podcast and really put a big, big, big amount of effort into it. If you find it useful, I would really appreciate it if you could subscribe on Spotify or whatever medium you are listening to this on. And if you do, as I said, derive benefit from this, if you could leave a review and share it with a friend, that would be muchos apreciados. I would very much appreciate that. That's all. Just a quick favor. If you do enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend, subscribe and leave a review. All right, guys, until the next time. Thank you. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.